Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. So that was so much better in my mind when we rehearsed that. And I'm afraid that all the time and hours we spent into that really wasn't worth it, Brad. But, um, you know, I do love Brad, and, and so we do want to name uh, Henry Dale after him. He's such a big part of my life, and if you believe that, I have some oceanfront property in Arizona for sale. If you want some, I'll throw the Golden Gate in. But um, listen, I do want to show a quick picture of my family. I'm a proud uh, father of three and my beautiful wife. So there's McCall, and then there's Olivia Bryn right there. She's the five-year-old, and then Wren is the two-year-old, and so they are so sweet. And then Henry Dale right there um, is all, all good, all good. So um, that is my family. That's kind of a picture of my world, just to kind of give you some context of who I am. But um, before we get into our message today, I just want to say a quick word about Pastor Stephen and Felissa. And, um, you know, 1 Timothy 5.17 says this, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And I'll just tell you, I've had the opportunity to be on staff and in leadership roles at some incredible churches. And when it comes to our pastor, Pastor Stephen, he's the real deal. This man loves Jesus and he loves people and he serves our church well. And he's put together an incredible team, Pastor Brad, Matt, Kendall, Sarah. I mean, we could just go on throughout the list. And I just want you to know uh, how incredibly thankful I am for this team. But I know that all of us would agree that we're a blessed people in this church to have this staff, aren't we? Can we give them a round of applause? Amen. Amen. So with that said, I've been given the opportunity to speak on prayer. And so why don't we say a quick prayer? Let's do that. Lord, we just come before you today. Lord, I don't know what's walked through these doors, the issues, the concerns, the weights, the worries. God, but I know that you're faithful and I know that you're here right now. God, I pray that we wouldn't just be spectators today, connoisseurs of church, going through our grading of how the worship was and how the announcements went or how the sermon is. But God, we would be participants that are eager to have a fresh word spoken. God, that we would come with a hunger to lean in. So God, I, I ask right now, God, that you would forgive me for my sins or many. God, may I decrease and you increase. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I was thinking about prayer, and, you know, here in the South, particularly in the Bible Belt, prayer is kind of a common occurrence. We kind of pray about just anything, don't we? We pray before we eat. We pray before we go to sleep. We pray about our uh, sports teams. We pray uh, about finding a parking spot. Now, if you've ever been to uh, North Park during Christmas, you know it takes some prayer, okay, to get a parking spot. But we pray just about everything. We uh, we as a American people are used to prayer. Gallup survey found that seven out of or seven to eight out of ten people in America claim to pray. Fifty-five percent of Americans pray every single day. This is kind of an interesting finding. Americans will pray this week more than they will exercise, drive a car, 
go to work, or have sex. Let me tell you, I have three kids, so I'd rather refer to that as marital relations. So I was trying to think, what is the, what's the purpose of including that? And I think what's driving up the numbers, there's a whole lot of men praying for their wife's headache. Amen? Okay. I hope you found that funny because that's my best joke. That was my dad joke moment. But moving forward, we all have areas in our life where we need God to intervene. We need his wisdom and we need his comfort. Some of you need direction right now in your life. You're trying to make a decision. Maybe it's a business decision. Maybe you're trying to decide if you should move cities, take a new job, but you don't know what you should do. God, should I leave my child in the school that we're in or should I move to a different school? Should I continue to date this guy or not? For others of you, you're facing financial situations. You feel the weight of the mortgage payment, the doctor bills. You're kind of caught up in an addiction of spending. You're finding your self-worth and your net worth. And you think that you got to somehow make enough to get where you can be secure enough. For others, you're facing family issues. Like you walked in here with somebody who's sitting next to you, but in reality, you're worlds apart. You feel like you're sitting next to a stranger because maybe you're on the verge of leaving your spouse or your spouse is on the verge of leaving leaving you. Maybe you have a child that you poured your life into. You loved since they were little and now they're in rebellion and you don't understand or you're facing a medical situation or, or, or maybe a loved one is. But we all have situations where we need God. And when it comes to prayer, that's at the moment where we see man interact with God and we can see things begin to happen. And I think the best way to learn is through observation. And so I want to take us to a passage of scripture found in Psalms chapter 13. And we're going to get to kind of be a fly on the wall. We're going to get to listen in on a conversation between David and God. And as you turn to Psalms chapter 13, I want to kind of set the context for you. So what we have here is we have David who's already been anointed. He's already fought and killed Goliath. He's come under the leadership of Saul, served as a general. Saul's become jealous and has tried to kill him. And now he finds himself out on the run in the middle of the wilderness, probably hunkered down in a cave somewhere. And as we zone into this place where David is, sitting in this cave, we get to kind of listen in on the heart cry of David to God, this kind of intimate moment where it's just David and God, and we're going to see how this man after God's own heart interacts with him. And so, picking up in verse 1, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I just want to stop right there because I believe some of you are in a how long, O Lord, season. Some of you right now, you're going, God, how long until you're going to restore my marriage? God, how long until you're going to heal my body? God, how long until you're going to move me to my destiny? How long, O Lord? And like David said, it can feel like eternity. God, will you forget me forever? I had a good friend. His name is Jeremy, and he's actually one of my best friends, and he had a how long, O Lord, season. 
See, Jeremy and I went to Bible college together, and we were kind of cut from the same cloth. We loved to minister together. We'd go out street preaching together, and, and we were just kind of going in the same direction. And, and, and Jeremy met this young lady, Taylor, and they fell in love. And, and I remember going down to Louisiana, and we were, that's where they were from, and they were going to have their wedding. And, and, and the night before the wedding, I asked Jeremy, I said, Jeremy, how long are you going to wait to have kids? He said, wait to have kids? Man, I'm having a honeymoon baby. We're going all the way right away, you know? And I was like, hey, okay, all right, this is great. So we get back. They get back from the honeymoon, and I call them up, and I say, hey, so how'd it go? I mean, not how'd it go, all right? <laughs> Come on, y'all. But, like, are you pregnant? Are you going to have a baby? Is this, did it happen? And he says, well, not yet, man, but we're going we're gonna to keep, keep going. We're going to keep trying. So that's great, man. And weeks turned into months, and months turned into a year. Hey, man, are y'all pregnant? You going to have a baby? How's it going? Not yet, but we're believing God. Jeremy always wanted to have a big family. He said they, they were going to have as many as God would give them. One year turns into two, and at this point, I, I, I kind of asked kind of hesitantly, Starting to be kind of a sore subject. I said, man, how you doing? You y'all having a baby yet? Oh, man, not yet, but we're believing God. He said year three hits. He comes home from work. He's an executive pastor at a church. And here the pastor comes home to his house. He finds his wife on the, on the front steps of their house. And she's sitting there, and she's just bawling. And he walks up, Taylor, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she says, man, Erica just called me. She said they're pregnant with their second, and I want to be happy for her, but I don't even understand why can't we not even have one. And as she's saying that, Jeremy's phone rings, and against his better judgment, he decides to pick up the phone, and, and it's just kind of a momentary lapse in judgment, and he gets on the phone, and it's Shane, and, and Shane, before, before Jeremy can even say hello, Shane blurts out, Jeremy, guess what? We're pregnant with our third. And he said, man. I'm happy for you. And he just hung up the phone. And they said they just began to weep. They didn't know what to do. They decided to seek medical help. And all they found out from the doctors was the only thing that would work, wouldn't necessarily work for them, do their own convictions. And year three goes on. And I remember asking Jeremy, what are you going to do, man? What are you going to do if, if you won't do the medical that they're, they're saying, this, it goes against your convictions, whatever? Man, what, what, what's up? And he said, this I know, that my Bible says that it's my God who opens and closes the womb, and I'm going to stand and believe God to do a miracle in this place. So three years turns into four, four years turns into five, and how long, O oh Lord, turned to Judah came along on year five. And after Judah came Maggie, Maggie's four now, and after Maggie came Caroline, she's two, and after, after Caroline came Vivian, and she's six months, and they have no plans of slowing down, amen? <laughs> Let me tell you, that's right, I just felt like God told me that some of you are in a how long, oh Lord, season, and your faith has grown weary, and I just want to say, stay strong, hold on, don't give up. Keep pressing. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I know we serve a miracle-working God. But what I want you to see in this prayer, because that's what we're talking about, when we look in on David, what I want you to see is his authenticity. 
that he isn't afraid to tell God exactly how he feels. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says this. So then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Hold on a second. Right here, God is telling us that in Jesus, we have a high priest who understands our weakness. He understands that sometimes you don't feel good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, rich enough, talented enough to do what you're doing, that you're not strong enough to be the dad that you want to be, the mom you want to be, that he undergets your weakness. And in every way he was tempted as we are, he understands that sometimes you want to turn to something else other than him because you're so tempted because of your weakness. But yet he was without sin. So, let us then with confidence, if you want to, you're a note taker, just write, man, underline confidence right there. It's an important word. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, that Greek word, confidence, is actually parasia. And what that means is, is the ability to speak openly or frankly, to be able to speak without concealment or ambiguity, that you begin to just tell God exactly where you're at. Isn't it interesting that he says, hey, I get your weakness, I know your temptation, so come to me and speak freely. Like, take off your mask, get real with me right here. I want to know exactly where you're at because I understand your weakness. Don't get all King James on me. You end up sounding like Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. All right, but in all seriousness, you, he wants you to come as you are. Have you ever tried to have communion with somebody when there's an offense against y'all? Like, have you ever tried to connect us with somebody and they had something that was on their chest they just wouldn't tell you? I mean, I can't stand it. I'll take my wife out to dinner. And, you know, she, I've done something. I know I've done, I just know before I get home I've done something. But... She's like, how's everything going? You know, we're at dinner. I'm like, hey, honey, how are you? Fine. <laughs> oh, Lord, you said fine. I know I'm in trouble. Okay, there's nothing fine about when they say they're fine, right? Amen. So, but I just, you know, I'm like, okay. And this is how, like, what a sinner I am. Because this is my thought. It always is. Well, I hope we get this figured out before dessert. Because I at least want to enjoy the dessert, you know? And, like, why can't that ever happen when we go to Wendy's? Why has it got to go when I go somewhere nice? Like Texas Roadhouse, okay? <laughs> Let's keep going. But the point is, is that until she's honest with me, or until I'm honest with her and we take off that mask and she just kind of lays it out, we really can't go any further. We can sit in the same room together, but we can't really communicate. We can't really get to the heart of the issue. And David's on the run. He's been anointed king. And he's coming to God, laid up in a cave somewhere with some guy trying to kill him. And the last thing that he needs to do is be fake in that moment. So he tells God exactly where he is. And some of you just need to be honest with God. Say, this is where I'm at, God. This is what I'm really going through. This is what's really in my heart. He says, you can come with confidence, boldness. Don't conceal anything from me. I'm here for you. Picking up in 
verse 3. Let's continue on. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. What I want you to realize is David, facing a very real physical threat, comes to the Lord in prayer and says, God, unless you do something, unless you intervene in this moment, I'm going to die. See, what David realizes while he faced a physical threat, he knew that the battle was spiritual. See, if you want to have a powerful prayer life, you got to understand that you're in a battle. And that battle is spiritual. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says this. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your toddler has not napped today and she wants to suck your soul. <laughs> and all the, all the women said amen. And the dads for that matter. No, it's not what it says. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, some of you think it's your spouse. They're the enemy. Some of you think it's your boss. They're the enemy. You're, you're your employees, they're the enemy. You, you, you're so caught up in the physical. You're so caught up in battling, you know, your, your in-laws or your, or, your, or your peer group or whatever that is. You think it's your kids. You think you, what you don't realize is what you're trying to battle in the physical is actually a spiritual battle. And if you want to see breakthrough in your life, you got to quit trying to do it in your own strength and you got to go to the Lord in prayer. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says this. Finally, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. You know, as I was, when I read that verse, and I think about, this body of believers in here. And I think about the fact that we're in a spiritual battle. I mean, think about how, I mean, don't you realize that, this, that the enemy would love to take out you, your family, that he hates marriage? He hates the legacy that you're gonna leave with your kids. Don't you know he would love to get in? Man, I just feel like it comes at us at every angle. And I think about Joshua. You know that old story? And he's sitting there. And he's, he's up in front of his people, and he says, as for me and my house, come on, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Like, I don't know where you're going to put your hope. I don't know where you're going to put your trust. I don't know what you're going to look to, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I feel like there's some people in this room today that today you need to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. See, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And some of you may feel like you're up on the ropes. 
You feel like, man, Desi, you don't know what I've been through, man. This is hard. But I want to tell you something. You have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Let me tell you, when you say the name of Jesus, that every demon in hell trembles because there's no more powerful name than the name of Jesus. I got to slow down. I'm getting a little hyper in here. I'm getting a little excited. I'm getting a little excited. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me tell you why I get excited. No, I don't have time for that. (laughs) Lord Jesus, help me. But let me tell you, I was lost. I was on a road going nowhere. But God came into my life. And I'll tell you, the last place I wanted to be was in church. And nothing gets me more when I think about the name of Jesus because my little sweet Olivia, I remember the time she told me, she said, Daddy, My favorite song is What a Wonderful Name, the name of Jesus. Y'all know that song we sing? And to see the reprobate, the sinner, the outcast that I was, to then fast forward and have my daughter tell me her favorite song is What a Wonderful Name, that's nothing short of a miracle. God's changing destinies in this place. There's moments where a word is spoken, if you can grab a hold of it, it can, it can change the legacy of your family. As for me and my house, I don't know what your previous generation was. I don't know what family you grew up in, but I'm telling you, you got a choice. That's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to realize the battle is the Lord's. So let's continue on. Picking up in verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now this is interesting because here we have David. He's still in the same cave. He's in the same prayer, right? He's still on the same track as the beginning where he says, God, where are you? You've forgotten about me. God, I'm going to die unless you intervene. And now he goes on to say, oh, I've trusted in your steadfast love. I will rejoice in your salvation. And what I think we need to learn from this, what I think we need to glean from this is that when we pray, powerful prayers come from a place of victory. Now, David circumstance hadn't changed, but he knew he had the victory in Christ. I'll never forget whenever we had our precious, sweet Olivia Bryn. We were new parents, first-time parents, and I was, um, let me just tell you, I was smitten. I was so uh, overwhelmed with joy. I remember the night before we, um, the night before we were going to the uh, delivery room, and that night I had this really vivid dream. I had this dream that Olivia, as a little baby, just reached out and just grabbed my hand. And as she as she grabbed my hand, I just remember this moment of just feeling in my dream, like just like ah, oh, this is amazing. So we go to the to the to the hospital the next day. And the delivery goes well, and I take Olivia, and I set her on the warming table. And as I do, she literally, as sure as I'm standing here today, reaches out and takes my hand with hers. And I was like, oh, my gosh. 
this is a dream come true. I mean, I literally tell the nurses, I'm like, get my phone, take a picture. This is the fulfillment of a dream. This is destiny. This is providential. Crying. My God is, wow. Okay. So time goes on, and uh, a few months go along, and we go to the doctor, and the doctor is looking at the development, and, and she says, uh, you know, I think that you may, uh, that Olivia may have craniosynostosis, and um, if you're not familiar with what that is, you have these eight sutures in your skull, and um, they fuse together later in life, so it allows your brain to grow, and um, if, they, if, they, if they fuse too early, what can happen is, is that your brain doesn't have anywhere to grow, so it actually grows into your skull. And um, the particular suture they thought it was, um, was one that they really couldn't do much to fix it. They would have to do um, an open um, brain surgery. They would you'd go in, they, they cut your skull, and they open it, and, and they reconfigure it. I just want to tell you that um, I'm the kind of... Uh, dad that, uh, man, I get real uptight. Like, if you could microchip your kids like I did my dog, I would, okay? Like, I want to know where my kids are all the time. Like, I am like that type of fanatical dad. Like, God, I got guard dogs and, and security systems, and like, I'm like, I'm all into it, you know what I mean? And to hear that there might be something that I couldn't control, it gripped me. Fear began to set in. Uh, darkness, and, and I didn't even know if this was going to happen. I'm just, just that quickly. Faith began to doubt. I mean, I was struggling. And I remember, I don't know if you've ever had this, but like, even though you and your wife may be good, but because there's some external pressures, it can kind of affect your marriage. And we're living in a new city. I got a new job. No community, because we just joined a new church. And I was feeling really alone. And one day, McCall and I went to Clyde Warren Park, and I just felt so helpless. Like, God, where are you? God, I'm drowning. I don't know how to handle this. And as we were sitting there, something on the inside of me just rose up. Like, see, I had felt like I was on a cruise ship sailing with my beautiful family, and the next day, or the, at the next moment, I had fallen off in the middle of the night, and I was in a sea of darkness, and I didn't know where to go. And I'm sitting there, and I just remember something rising up on the inside of me. And I told McCall, I said, look, I don't know where we're at right here in this moment. Like, I don't know what's ahead. But one thing I know is that there's land ahead. And I know that if I grab a hold of Jesus, that he's going to take us where we can't go. I know that if I can get a hold of God, that he's going to do something I can't do. So from this day forward, no matter the outcome, I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to grab a hold of Jesus, and I'm going to believe him for something bigger than I can do myself. So from that moment forward, a burden lifted. The darkness faded. I said, I'm going to stand in a place of victory. Now, I don't know the outcome, but whatever the outcome, my God is faithful. Whether she's healed this side of heaven or that, 
my God is faithful. And one day, all wrongs will be made right, whether this side or that side, but my God is faithful. And so, we go to the specialist. Go in, God, whatever you will, but I'm believing for a miracle. Isn't that kind of this, like, crazy thing that we can say, God, whatever you will, but we're believing for a miracle? That's what we need to stand in. We went, and the doctor, I'm, I'm, I'm in knots, right? I'm nervous. The doctor says, I just want to tell you, your daughter's beautiful. She's perfect. You have nothing to worry about. She's totally fine. I know that life can be tough, but I know that my God is tougher. I know that life can be hard, but I know my God is stronger. And I believe today that if some of you will begin to turn to God in prayer, that you'll see a shift take place in your life. Now, I believe my God is a God of miracles. I've seen miracles upon miracles, and maybe you're sitting here with disappointment, but I want to tell you, let's stand in faith, and let's believe God again, and let's trust him, whatever the outcome. I know people in this room that if I passed a microphone, you would stand up and say, let me tell you when I had a how long moment, and then God broke through. Let me tell you about my miracle. Let me tell you about the South. Let me tell you about the restoration of my marriage. Let me tell you about the, 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 the miracle baby we had. Let me tell you about the healing. I know that that would happen. Today is a day for you to press into God. To say, Lord, from this day forward, I'm not going to let the devil beat up on me and my family anymore. The battle's not in the physical, it's in the spiritual. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you today. Lord, and I know in a room this size, and the sound of my voice, that there are those that have never trusted you. And they're tired of trying to do life on their own. They realize that they need to be rescued. So you're, if you're in this room right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, and it's just you and Jesus, man, just you and Jesus. And you say, I want to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life. I want that God. I want to serve him. And that's you in your heart. And you know that God's working on you. I just want you to slip up your hand. I just want you to raise it high where I can see you. I see hands are going up. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yes. You put your hand down. Now, there's others in this room, and you're saying, Desi, I'm in a how long, oh, Lord, season. Like, God, I, I'm just struggling. I got doubt. I got fear. I got anxiety. I got worry. And I just want to know, would you pray for me? You stand right now with me. And if that's you and you just say, Desi, I'm in a season where I need a breakthrough. I just want you to raise your hand right now. I want to believe God for a breakthrough in your life. Don't let this moment pass you by. God wants to do something. Don't let this moment pass you by. God wants to do something. That's right. Hands all over this room. Put your hands down. If you said that you wanted to accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and you're tired of playing games, I want you just to repeat this prayer after me. God, rescue me. I trust in your son, Jesus. 
Jesus, forgive me of my sins and become Lord of my life. For others, others in the room, that you said, Desi, I'm in a season where I need a breakthrough. I'm gonna pray with you right now because I'm in a season I need a breakthrough. We're gonna believe God together. Lord, I just ask in the name of Jesus, right now, God, Lord, that you would move powerfully, God. I pray that people will grab a hold of this moment, God, where, Lord, you are present, you are real, you are moving, God, that pride would come low, Father God, and that you would, Lord, you said that you resist the, the prideful, Father God, but you give grace to the humble. And in this moment, God, those that said, I need help, God, I pray that you would move in their life. God, I pray that you would stir a hunger in them to seek you, Lord, to put all their trust in you, to say from this day forward, I'm gonna serve the Lord. From this day forward, I'm gonna press into Jesus. From this day forward, I'm gonna believe God for big things. God, would you supernaturally, miraculously, unexplainably minister, breakthrough in their life, in that situation right now, in the name of of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.